Isaiah and the 50th chapter. And whenever you get there, we're just going to bow uh, together for another moment of prayer. And you ask the Lord to speak to your heart this morning. And has already been prayed that the Lord would minister to every single one of us. We're just going to bow in a moment prayer and ask the Lord for his help. Father, we just bow again before thee. And we thank thee for this hymn that we have been singing. And we thank thee for the faithfulness of God. And we thank thee for our brother Pat and our brother Bertie and sister Pat. And we thank thee, Lord, down through the years that you've been good to them. And we pray, Lord, that the blessing of God will continue to be upon them. We thank you for the ministry. We thank you for the help and instruction and the food to our souls. And, oh, God, we pray that thou wilt indeed draw graciously near to them. And, Father, just for this meeting now, we ask for your divine help. We pray, Lord, that you will come by your Spirit and brood over this meeting, Lord. We pray that we'll be conscious of the presence of God in our gathering. And Lord, the cry of all of our hearts, preacher included, will be that thou would speak to our hearts this morning and shut us in with thyself. And above all, that thy son would get all of the glory. We ask it in his precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. One of the most interesting studies that I have been enjoying in recent days is some roles that the Lord Jesus Christ takes up for you and I as believers today. There's some things that the Lord Jesus Christ does for us, those of us that are saved. At this very moment, he's doing for you and I. You remember whenever he was on the cross, he was our substitute. It was there on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, he took our place. But the work just didn't finish there. Because at this very moment, we have an advocate with the Father. John said in his epistle, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You know what an advocate is? An advocate is someone that pleads the cause of another. And you and I as believers this morning, at times in our walk and at times whenever we are seeking to go through with God, we stumble, we sin and we fall. But there's one at the Father's right hand at this very moment. He's our advocate. He's the one that pleads our cause. But not only is he an advocate, he's the great high priest. He's the one that ever liveth to make intercession for us. And every moment of the day, the Lord is upholding us and pleading for us and interceding for us along the road of life. And it's interesting, and it ought to encourage our hearts when others forget to pray for us. There's a man in the glory that ever liveth to make intercession for us. But not only is he our advocate, and not only is he the great high priest, he's the wonderful counselor. Whenever we seek to find the will of God for our life, whenever we've come to trials and storms and situations and decisions to make, Isn't it wonderful to know that there's one to whom we can go at any time of the day and he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God. But it's not those things that I'm after this morning because not only is the Lord Jesus Christ our advocate and not only is he our great high priest and our wonderful counselor, he's described as the shepherd of the sheep. And I'm sure if you're saved here this morning, that ought to be a very precious title to you. The shepherd of the sheep. 
the Lord Jesus Christ in John's Gospel, chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. You remember how the Lord Jesus Christ laid down his life on the cross. He was the shepherd that suffered. If you cast your eye to verse 6 of chapter 50 of Isaiah, he says, I give my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and from spitting. The good shepherd that loveth the sheep. Then the apostle Paul in Hebrews he described the Lord Jesus as the great shepherd. And that's what he is today. The great shepherd of the sheep. And I don't know what situation you may be in this morning. I don't know what trial or storm or, or gale you may be facing today. But I want to tell you that there's a man in the glory. And he's not only the good shepherd, but he's the great shepherd. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. But you know the good shepherd that, that went to glory... The great shepherd that is in glory. Peter said he's going to come back as the chief shepherd. And there's coming a day whenever faith will give way to sight. And we're going to see the man that died on a cross for us. I'm looking forward to that day. And if you're in this meeting this morning and you're saved. You ought to be looking with anticipation to the day that the Lord Jesus comes again. The great shepherd of the sheep. And I'm sure every one of us have heard preached time and time again Psalm 23. And I've been enjoying it during the week, but you'll discover that the good shepherd, he's the shepherd that supplies every need. I don't know what your need is this morning. But I want to tell you, he can supply your need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. But not only is he the shepherd that supplies, he's the shepherd that shields. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He's the shepherd that supplies. He's the shepherd that shields. He's the shepherd that shows. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. But you know, this is what I'm after this morning. Not only is he the shepherd that shows and the shepherd that shields and the shepherd that supplies, I want you to think this morning about the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, and he speaks. He speaks. He could say in John 10, My sheep hear my voice. He's the shepherd that speaks to his sheep. Now I wonder when was the last time you heard him speak to you? I wonder when was the last time that you got alone with the word of God and shut the door from the family and from the work and said, speak Lord. And you knew that God spoke to you. I'm telling you dear friends, there's nothing more precious than a man or woman who gets alone with God and hears the shepherd's voice. Sometimes it's a word of correction. Sometimes when we deviate off the path and sometimes when we go out into bypass meadows, he speaks to us a word of correction. Sometimes it's a word of challenge. And I'm sure every one of us were challenged in the weekend that went past. And the shepherd spoke to us in a voice that was loud and clear. 
But you know, we not only need to be hearers of the word, we need to be doers. Sometimes it's a word of correction. Sometimes it's a word of challenge. Sometimes it's a word of comfort. And I want you to cast your eye to the fourth verse of Isaiah chapter 50. Because this is referring to the shepherd speaking to his sheep. And God has got something to say to you this morning. Verse 4, it says, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak. You know, there was one man, like the, no man like the Lord Jesus. He knew how to speak. You remember whenever the Pharisees and scribes, they sent the temple police to arrest the Lord Jesus. And they went with venom in their heart and with the intention to take him and whenever they listened to him, they said, never man speak like this man. It tells us in Luke's gospel that the, the common people, they heard him gladly. And they wondered at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. Have you heard him recently? Have you ever been listening during the week to hear what the Lord was trying to say? A word of comfort, a word of challenge. A word of correction. You remember whenever the three disciples were with the Lord in the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Lord Jesus was transfigured before them. And the heavens opened. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye him. He knows how to speak. He says things at the right time. And he says them in the right tone. I was thinking of Mary after her brother was preaching on it last week. Mary Magdalene there at the tomb and the Lord Jesus standing before her and she didn't know him. She, she thought he was the gardener. But you know, whenever the Lord Jesus turned and he said one word to her, Mary, she knew. It was the tone of his voice. And there's times whenever the Lord Jesus can come and speak to all of our hearts in a way that no one else can. But then look at it again. He says, I should know how to speak a word, and this is it this morning, in season to him that is weary. A word in season. And I was so thrilled when her brother Bertie mentioned that in his opening prayer this morning. A word in season. You know, I could get up here and I could preach on the tribulation or I could preach on the Lord's table. And it could be a word from the word, but not be a word in season from the master's lips. And that's why every servant of God has to get alone, shut the door, get on his knees, open the book and say, Lord, give me a word for the people. A word. And it'll always be a word in season. The word from heaven will be a word in season. I wonder, are you weary this morning? I wonder, as you sit in the Lifeboat Fellowship after the convention, and we've been hearing of what we need to do and all that we have failed to do, I wonder, would you be sitting here this morning and you say, Lord, I'm weary. I'm weary. Maybe you're weary in the battle. Because I can tell you every child of God is in the battle. The day you and I got saved, we were put into the battle. 
to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they're relentless. Maybe you're weary, you're tired. I was thinking during the week of Eliezer, one of David's mighty men. He was one of the top three men of David's army. Eliezer, it says in 2 Samuel chapter 23, that he fought the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand cleave onto the sword. Here was a man that was weary in the battle. He was a man of vigor and of valor, of courage and ability, but he grew weary. Are you weary? Do you ever get tired? Do you ever go into your study in the morning and you can hardly pray and you can hardly read and you're weary? And you say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired in the battle. Well, I want to tell you there's a word in season from the shepherd's lips this morning. You know, that's the strategy of the devil today. Because in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25, it tells us that his strategy is to wear out the saints of the Most High God. And the word that came from the mouth of God to Job was this, remember the battle. The battle. And I was thinking of it during the week and the Lord rebuked me about it. And so often us preachers, we can stand and we can preach at the state of the nation. We can preach at the state of the land and we can preach at the state of the church. And all the time we can forget about men and women in the assembly that are in the battle. Men and women that have been toiling during the week and they're weary. Well, I want to say again, there's a word in season for the weary. Maybe you're not weary in the battle. Maybe you're weary with your body. Some of you older folk here. And the energy's gone. And you remember days when you used to take meetings and do missions and do the tracks and do the doors. And you could do nearly anything that you wanted. But this morning your body doesn't allow you to do what you used to do. And you're weary. Weary because of bad health and weary because of old age. Weary of the tablets. Weary of the appointments. Weary of the injections. Weary of the healthcare visitors coming into your home. And you sit down at the end of the day and say, Lord, I'm weary. I'm weary. What about Job? Job wasn't an old man, you know, whenever he went into the furnace of affliction. And Job lay down, and this is the word that came from Job's mouth. He said, my soul is weary. I'm weary. I'm tired, Lord. I'm tired of the bad health. I'm tired of the long nights, Lord. He could say, weary nights are appointed unto me. And Job, the man, the richest man in all of the East, sat down with a bit of a broken pot in his hand and began to scrape the boils from off his body, and he was weary. Weary. Maybe you're not weary in the battles, and maybe you're not weary with your body, but let me tell you this, maybe you're weary with the burden. Do you ever have a burden? Maybe you're here this morning, and there's a weight upon your shoulder. And behind the singing of the hymns and behind the shaking of the hand and behind the smiles and all the facades that go on in the meeting, you're here and you're weighed down with a burden and God only knows what it's like to carry. 
Maybe it's a burden of sin. You're not saved yet. And all the sin of your life is weighing down on your shoulders. Well, there's a word from God to your soul, dear sinner, this morning. Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sin can have a burden. Don't we sing at a time shackled by a heavy burden? Neath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. Now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Maybe he would need to touch you this morning. Ah, there's those that are weary in sin. There's those that are weary in service. You get weary doing the open airs. Do you ever get weary whenever you go into the closet and pray for your family members and you cry and you weep and you pray, say, Lord, how long, how long will this go on? Doesn't seem to be any change in the circumstances. Doesn't seem to be any change. There doesn't seem to be any sign of them coming through for God. You remember whenever Elijah was up on top of Mount Carmel and there was dearth in the land. There wasn't a drop of rain for years. And he went up and he put his head between his knees and he told his servant to go and to look toward the east to see if there was any sign of rain. And he came back and says, there's nothing. And the word that came from Elijah's lips was, go again. Go again. And whoever you're praying for, maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a family member, go again. Keep going. Don't back down. Go again. Maybe you're going to pull back from the prayer meetings. Maybe you used to come every night. You're not coming every night now. And you're starting to draw back. You're starting to get weary. Well, this is what Paul said. He said, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't be weary. Maybe you're getting weary of the Sunday nights. You're going to pull back. Don't be weary. Maybe there's some young people here and you're weary of your studies. And you're uh, going through all of the all of the learning for your exams, and you've got the books around you, and you're tired and you're weary, and say, Lord, I want you to help me. Solomon said that much study is a weariness of the flesh; it's a burden. And then finally, let me say this: maybe you're burdened with the circumstances of life. What's your circumstance today? If you were in this hall on your own and no one else here and the Lord Jesus came and sat down beside you and he put his arms around you and he said, tell me, tell me what's your burden this morning. What would you tell him? What would you whisper in his ear? As I can tell you, the mighty man, the sweet psalmist of David knew what it was to have a burden. The mighty man of God. He was one day, he left Jerusalem and came down off the throne and he crossed the Kidron River Went up the side of the Mount of Olives. It said he had his head covered. His tears were coming out of his eyes. His feet were bare. He was on the run from his son. And you can see the burden weighed down upon him. And this is what he said. Oh! We heard about that on Sunday, Monday night, didn't we? Oh! Oh, that I had wings like a dove, that I would fly away and be at rest. For I would hasten my escape from the windy tempest of the storm. Oh, I'm weary. I'm weary. 
But I want to tell you, this is what David penned whenever he was climbing up the side of Mount Olivet. This is the time that he took his pen and he began to write Psalm 55. And he said, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, for he shall sustain thee. And I don't know what your burden is. I don't know how bad you're weighed down. Maybe you wept all last night in your bed. Not another critter knows anything about it. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. And I read it down like this during the week. There's a mighty phrase here. Thy burden. Not, your, not the person beside you's burden. Your burden. What's your burden? What is it? What is it the thing that you've, you can't really praise the Lord the way you used to and the things that are weighing you down? Whenever you go to pray, it's the first thing that comes into your mind. Well, it's your burden. What a phrase. Cast. What a picture. You know what that word means. I used to, whenever I got saved, whenever I was working up at Samvik up the road there, and it had nothing to do with my time, I used to go to the brantry with a fishing rod. And I used to go out onto the wee pier, and many and many a night, I'll never forget it, from half four in the afternoon, way on into the early hours of the morning, maybe half one, I used to sit over the, over the wee jetty with my feet in the water, and I used to have a fly line in my hand, and you know what I used to do with it? I used to cast it. It doesn't just mean roll it every now and again, you know. It means to continually cast, to cast, let it go. I read the story recently of a young man that was in the meeting and the preacher was t- t- took for his text, let God, let God. And there must have been a burden or circumstance in his life that this young man, he, he just couldn't face alone. And, and he got a bit of wood and a pen knife and carved out the letters and he hung it on a bit of string, let God. And one day he was going out and he slammed the door. He came back into the house that night and one of the letters had fell off. The D had fell off. You know what it said? Let go. Is that a word to your soul this morning? You have a burden and you know it. You need to let it go. Let it go. Cast. What a picture. Thy burden. What a phrase. Upon the Lord. What a place. To cast it upon him. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the one who carries the government of the world upon his shoulders. Stephen Riddle, with all of his burdens, can cast them upon the Lord. What a place, but oh, let me tell you this. What a promise he shall sustain. I'm glad this morning I'm not trusting Muhammad, for he couldn't carry them. I'm glad I'm not trusting a minister or a pope or a priest to carry them. I'm glad there's one at the Father's right hand this morning. And he's able to carry all of my burdens and he's able to carry yours too. Is he talking to you this morning? Do you hear the shepherd's voice? I was looking at that hymn this morning, O mourner in Zion, how blessed are thou! For Jesus is waiting to comfort thee now. Fear not to rely on the word of thy God. Step out on the promise. Get under the blood. Who sighs for a heart from iniquity free? Oh, poor troubled soul, there's a promise for thee. There's rest, weary one, in the bosom of God. Step out on the promise. Get under the blood.
Are you weary? Well, I want to tell you there's a word. There's a word in season. But not only is there those that are weary, I want to say there's a word in season to them that are wounded. Wounded. Maybe you're wounded. In this conflict that you and I as believers are in, time and time again, there's saints and they get wounded. It's like any battle. Whenever you go out to war, you expect casualties. And there's those men and women in the church of God this morning, maybe even in the lifeboat, and you're wounded. Man down. Man down. Wounded maybe with a word of contention. Wounded with a word of disagreement. You take your Bible sometime and read Exodus or Ezekiel 34. You read that later on today, Ezekiel 34. And it's the Lord speaking to the flock of Israel. He describes them as a flock. And this is what he said. He said, there is those among you that thrust with the side and with the shoulder and you push with the horn. I wonder this morning, as you are in the flock of Jesus Christ, do you ever push with your shoulder? Do you ever shove another believer out of the way? That's my role in the Sunday school, and I'll just push you out of the road together. That's my role in the church, and I'll just push you out of the way, and I'll get it. And he said, you thrust with the side, and whenever the side doesn't work, you get the shoulder, and then you push them out of the road. And I can tell you, dear friend, if you're involved in that unholy and ungodly exercise in this church, God wouldn't be pleased with it, you know. We're in this battle together. And the Lord Jesus Christ has been showing me more and more every day that we need one another like never before. My, we do. There's things that you can't do that maybe I can do. But there's many things that Stephen Riddle can't do. And thank God you can do. You do them. But he said, you know, not only do you push with the side and with the shoulder, he says you use the horn. And the horn speaks of power. You ever see a bullock out in the field? Try and get the horn. Oh, I tell you, dear friends, the word of God tells me that there's people in the flock and they try to get their own way and they try to manipulate maybe even the elders of the assembly and they'll push them and push the side at them and whenever that doesn't work, they'll stick the horn in. Stick the horn in. And men and women all across our land are sitting in their evangelical churches and they're wounded. Wounded. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. You'll read the story of the Lord Jesus and he went into the synagogue just on a Sabbath morning. And there was a man there and it says he had a withered hand. It all dried up on him. And one of the old expositors says that that word withered means it was an injury that was inflicted by another. Somebody must have done something on him. I don't know what it was. He must have hurt his hand and he, it all withered up. It, was, it became a hindrance to him. And he nursed it all his days. Maybe somebody has done something in you and you're nursing. Oh, she didn't look at me the way I, she used to look at me. Oh, she texted them people, but she didn't text me. And you can carry a wound. And it says that his hand had dried up, it withered away. And this man could have said like the Lord in, his, uh, in Zechariah 13, I was wounded in the house of my friend. Wounded. 
But you know the Lord Jesus Christ, what he told this man to do with his withered hand, he said, stretch it out. I wonder would you need to stretch your hand out to somebody that you haven't shook hands with in a long time. I wonder if this, whenever this meeting's over and you see a brother or sister going out that door, you'll shoot out this door. And you haven't shook the hand in a long time. Well, I want to tell you, here's a word from God and it's in season. Stretch out your hand. Stretch out your hand. You see, you not only could be here with a withered hand, you could be here with a withered heart. The psalmist said, I am poor and needy and my heart is wounded within me. That word wounded there is the word shattered. It's the word that's used whenever you drop a tablet, a paracetamol into a drop of water. It just dissolves. It's shattered. It's broken. A broken heart. I wonder this morning how many of God's people are here with a broken heart. My grandfather used to say, a bird can sing with a broken wing, but it can't sing with a broken heart. I can tell you there's many of God's people, and you may even be one of them, and you've lost a song. And we preachers maybe think there's sin in your life, but maybe it's just a broken heart you have. My heart is wounded within me. Well, I want to tell you the word. Come on over to Isaiah 61 and you'll get the word. Isaiah 61 and verse 1. And this is a word in season to the wounded. And this is the passage that the Lord Jesus read in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. He said in verse 1, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. Listen to this now. He has sent me to bind up the broken hearted. That word bind up is the word to heal there. Verse 3, he gives, it says to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is the shepherd of the sheep. I don't know what your wound is, but I want to tell you the great shepherd can become the great physician, you know. And there's not a doctor in the world, no matter how well educated they can be, can put a broken heart together. But I want to tell you there's one in this meeting this morning, and he knows your burden, he knows the battles, he knows your blunders, he knows your broken heart, and he wants to touch you this morning. And he would love to do it. But you need to stretch out. Stretch out. Of course, you'll know the story of the Good Samaritan. You'll remember the man that came down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves and they robbed him and they beat him and he was lying there wounded. And men and other men walked by him and the good Samaritan came over to him. And this is what it says. My, it tells us there that he bound up his wounds and he poured in the oil and the wine. Oh, we sing it at times, don't we? And I'm not going to sing it to you this morning, but I sang the other way. He poured in the oil and the wine, the kind that restoreth my soul. You'd maybe need to pour in the oil and wine to you. I'm glad there's a word in season. He healeth the broken in heart and he bindeth up their wounds. A word in season to the weary. There's a word in season to the wounded. Listen to this. There's a word in season to the worried. Do you worry? Do you ever worry? I wouldn't be given to worry, but I know there's people that do worry a lot. And every single one of us in times in our life, we worry and we get afraid and we get anxious. Worried about the health. I wonder, will that cancer come back? I feel a wee lump in my body. I wonder, do I need to go and see about it? 
I wonder, is my husband's condition going to get any worse? I wonder, is this old Parkinson's going to get worse? I wonder, is this, I wonder, is the diabetes going to get worse? I wonder, am I going to lose my sight? And you lie at bed at wake at night like any of us would, and you worry. Worry about the family. What's going to happen to them whenever I'm gone? Who's going to look after my boy? Who's going to look after my wife? Who's going to pay the bills? And all the time the mind goes round worry. Who's going, to, who's going to help in my marriage? wonder where my husband's away to the night. I wonder what he's watching on the television. I wonder does my wife love me anymore? You ever worry? Well, there's a word in season. In John's Gospel, chapter 20, on the day of the resurrection, On the first day of the week, just like this morning, Maya tells us that the disciples were gathered in the upper room and that the windows shut and the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. And they must have been sitting there and they must have been petrified, worried. What are we going to do now? What are we going to say? Where are we going to go? And it says, and then came Jesus and stood in the midst. And this is what he said. Peace be unto you. Do you need a word of peace this morning? Oh, I'm telling you way back in the early days whenever I got saved, I remember coming across this and it was just fresh to my own heart. But he's the Prince of Peace. I'll tell you he's the King of Peace. But Paul said he's the God of Peace. And you'll not get it in your tablets and antidepressants and all the rest of it. But I want to tell you there's a King of Peace. There's a Prince of Peace. There's a God of Peace this morning. In Mark's gospel, you'll define the disciples were in a boat and they were fishermen. And they'd braved many a storm. Oh, I can see Peter that night. He says, boys, it's going to be a rough night tonight. And maybe we flutter the breeze. And maybe he laughs and he says, boys, we'll brave it out. You know, whenever they got away out into the middle of the sea and the Lord was asleep on the boat, it says the water filled the boat. And this is what they cried, Lord, save us, we perish. They were afraid. They'd never seen a storm like this before. And the Lord Jesus Christ, my, I would love to have seen him, stood in the wind and the gale and the tempest, and he stood to his feet in the boat and he said, Peace, be still, be still. Wasn't that just what you were singing a few moments ago? Be still, my God. The Lord is on thy side. He's on your side now. And you maybe have people ringing you during the week or sending letters to you and they're not on your side. But I want to tell you, God's on your side. And Psalm 118 and verse 6, it says, The Lord is on my side. And the man that is God has got the majority. It was Peter that said in his epistle, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And one lovely translation that came across, it says this, Listen to this now, Mother. Listen to this before I go on. He said, give him all your worries, for he is able to carry them. Isn't that lovely? Now, come on. What's your worry? Do you think he's able to carry them? Whenever he carried all the sin and iniquity of the world and the wrath of God came upon him and he bore it alone at Calvary for eternity. Do you not think he could carry your wee worries? 
casting all your worries upon him, for he is able to bear them. He could say, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Now here's the word. Come on over to Isaiah 43. And this is the word. Isaiah 43 and verse 2. And let the Lord speak to you. We're nearly done. Isaiah 43 and verse 2. This is the word and season to the worried. Verse 2, it says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And though through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. And when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt. Isn't that mighty? Listen to it again when thou passest, not if you pass. It's when you pass. Maybe that's where you are. When you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. I can tell you, dear friends, I'm glad that the Savior's with me. I'm glad that he could say, I will never leave thee, nor forsake You know what that tells me? Whenever you're sitting in an old, cold, damp, dismal, Hospital ward waiting on a nurse coming to see you. He's beside you. That tells me whenever you're lying in bed at night and you can't get any sleep and you're worried and you're weary, he's still there. That means whenever you're leaving the children off to school and you're in the home and you mothers haven't got a minute to yourself and there's a nappy to change, there's a bottle to fill, there's a baby to feed and you're weary and you're tired. Mother, listen to this. Even in your kitchen, he's with you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And while we fall and while we fail, this is what the Father said concerning the Son. He shall not fail. He'll not fail. Oh, you'll fail and I'll fail, but he'll not. I'm glad there's a word in season. This is what one of the old battalions of the army in America used to sing whenever they're going to war. Listen to this. Men that were going out to face the enemy, some of them weren't going to come back. Way back in 1827, they began to sing this song as they went into battle. Fear not, I am with thee, oh, be not dismayed. I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, I'll help thee, I'll cause thee to stand. Upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the floods of distress shall not thee overflow, for I will be with thee thy troubles to bless and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. As a word. That's a word in season. A word in season to the weary. A word in season to the wounded. A word in season to the worried. Well, let me finish by saying there's a word in season this morning to the wayward. Maybe you're away from God this morning. Maybe you're like Hagar. You can look back to days in your life when you enjoyed fellowship with him. And it says of Hagar that she wandered in the wilderness. And you could be here and the, the joy's gone. 
And you heard Alan Barkley preach on Saturday night about going through with God. And you can remember days in your life when you went through. But you're not going through now. And you heard Gilbert preaching on Monday night about praying and laying hold of God. And you remember days when you used to pray like that. But you're not praying like that now. And you, you knew what it was to get in behind the work and really go through with God. And you had a joy and a passion. Some of you young people here this morning in the barn, you used to be in fire for God, but you're not now. All a distant memory. Well, there's a word in season from the master's lips. And I'm not going to get you to turn to it. I just want you to listen to it. In Isaiah 44 and 22, he says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. This is it. Return. Return. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. I wonder who in this meeting would need to return. I used to be in the prayer meeting, used to stand, used to lift your hand, say, Lord, give us souls. You're not doing it now. Used to be out in the tracks and do the open airs and Saturday, but all that's gone. You've lost the fire and lost the passion. You don't weep for souls anymore. You're not getting alone with the word anymore. You're not just spending time with God and lost in his presence anymore. You're just like Hagar away out in the wilderness, out in the mountain, wild and bare, far from the shepherd's tender care. You know what was Robert Robinson? He penned that lovely hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune our hearts to sing thy praise. You could see it, listen to George Whitfield. He went to the meeting to laugh at George Whitfield and to make fun of him with a few of his drinking friends. And whenever he was listening to Whitfield, he came under that much conviction he could see it. And he went into the ministry, had his own wee church, went into the Methodist. And one Sunday morning he was preparing a message and he got his pen and he penned that lovely hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. You know, Robert Robertson got away from God, just like you, just like you now. This table is no longer sweet to you. No longer the delight of your heart. You've left your first love. And Robert Robinson went away out into the pleasures of the world. One old night he was in a horse-drawn carriage. And there was a woman in the opposite seat. And she began to sing, Come thou fount of every blessing. And the tears came out of his eyes. And she looked at him and said, Sir, have I annoyed you? Did I annoy you with what I was singing? He says, Madam, I'm the man that penned it. And he got her to sing the last verse. You know what the last verse is? Prone to wonder. God, I feel. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Is there any word from the Lord? Is there any word from the Lord in season? There's a word for the weary. There's a word for the wounded. There's a word for the worried. There's a word for the wayward. Return unto me. I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ died for me, friends. I'm glad the Lord Jesus Christ held nothing back on the cross for me. And he didn't hold anything back from you. And he's not here to beat you this morning. He's not here to flog you. He's not here to make a fool of you. He wants to bless you, but I want to ask you as I close, are you going to let him? 
Are you really going to go through with God? Are you really going to take on and board all that you heard last week? Are you really going to cast your worries? Are you really going to let go and let God? Are you really going to give him all your burden? Casting your care upon him, for he careth. 